I have asked Pastor Nick to join me today. So if you've got your outline, let's go ahead and start the final chapter of this series. Today I want to close out the series Fearless, Living Fearlessly in the Age of Anxiety. When we started this series way back in the end of February, wow. we started by listing the top three fears Americans list as the things that they deal with. They said the top fears that we face are family safety, health fears, and financial fears. Wow, we had no idea at the end of February that we were going to head into the time in the history of America where we've had the most fears about family safety, about finances, and about health issues. Probably the most fear about this than any other time on, on the planet. For sure. The coronavirus has brought the worst of our fears right to our doorsteps. So as we begin turning back to kind of some regular style messages, I thought it was a great time to close out our series as we move into a Mother's Day celebration, whatever that will look like next week. Yeah. And then um, then we'll spring there after that with a, with a brand new series. But this morning, I want to look at overcoming the fear of commitment. This is a common fear in our society. People in our society, especially Americans, we don't like to make long-term commitments. We hear phrases like, well, I want to keep all my options open, or I, I want to see what other opportunities are out there. People don't like to make long-term commitments today. And because of that, I think we miss out on much of God's best for our lives. Sure. People jump from relationship to relationship. You see this all the time. People, they're afraid to make that, that commitment you know, even though they've been living together for a decade or whatever, they're afraid to finally go to the altar. Or people are afraid to make a commitment even to a career path. How many college students do you say, what is your major? And it's like it's a different major every So We don't want to commit. Yeah. We don't want to commit to anything. Um, in fact, some people have a hard time just committing to the, you know, to the menu on the, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to order, Nick, when we go eat out? Uh, just order it for me, Jerry, he says. So people jump from commitment to commitment, from thing to thing, they, they don't want to make that. Listen, this can be detrimental. You can miss your eternal salvation in heaven if you have a fear of committing your life to Jesus Christ. So I want us to look at this, why do we fear making commitments, and then talk about how to overcome those fears. So if you've got your outline, the first section there, we've divided this into three sections with several subpoints under each one. The first section is the importance of making commitments. And the Bible teaches us that nothing is as important as the commitments we make in this life. God wants us to make wise commitments. Because he knows that the commitments we make will affect every area of our life. And specifically, the Bible says my commitments, they affect three things about me. Nick, why don't you start us off? Yeah. Um, this one, this one's really good. I mean, I'm going to say it's my favorite. They're all my favorite. Um, but this one, my commitments, if you're taking notes, reveal my values, my commitments, reveal my values. Um, this one is the things that I commit myself to, uh, how we spend our time, our money, our energy reveal what's really important to us, what we value. 
Um, this concept is going to step on some toes probably, but it's just good Bible. Like Matthew 6, 21 even talks about it. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Um, your treasure, what we treasure, what we spend our time, energy, and money on is what we commit to, right? And then your heart will also be the desires of your heart, what you value. So our commitments and value are linked, just like our treasures are linked to the desires of our heart. Um, so if someone said to you, like, I, they care about you and you're really important to them, um, but they never spend any time with you, it, it would kind of be hard to believe it after a while, right? Or if I said God is number one in my life, but I never commit any time, money, or energy to developing that relationship, is he really? Mm. Um, so it's kind of funny because we actually just talked about this at Limitless a few weeks ago. I don't know what day or when, when it was because all the Zooms, like, blend together now. Um, but first, before we go there, there there's a pastor that, that we listen to, and, and he talks about all the time that we're a hot church, um, humble, <laughs> open, and transparent. And, and so last year, we kind of adopted that phrase, and we're really focusing on creating an environment and authentic, environment of authenticity and transparency within Limitless and Collective. Um, and I, I just feel like it's so important because I just got to a point where I was tired of, of having that stigma of that we have to have, act like we have everything together. Um, and, and it's important because you realize like that church culture, a lot of people that are turned off to Christianity or church or just Christians and Christians in general, um, it's usually because they're tied to an interaction with what they would call fake Christian. Right. Um, acting like they don't struggle or have problems. Um, perfect. And perfect. Yeah, that perfect. And it's a facade. Right. Um, how many people feel like they have to get all their stuff together, wipe the tears away? Or act like they didn't just have a panic attack or anxiety attack in the car before they walked through the doors of the church. Mm, yeah. Um, and we wanted to break that stigma and, and kind of create space um, where students and young adults can be vulnerable, open, and transparent and honest with each other. Um, everything about the gospel of Jesus in his message was that he will meet you where you're at, not where you pretend to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that starts with leadership, with leadership and with pastors especially. So anyways, I say that to say like, uh, Jelly, one of our, our Limitless leaders. Um, Jelly is a nickname for Angelica. Angelica, yeah, right. it's not her real name. Um, <laughs> one of the things, we love you, Jelly. <laughs> one of the things that she's focusing on um, in this season is consistency in reading scripture and stuff and just and focus on her time growing with God. Um, and we were talking about it, and she asked me, uh, do I read the Bible every day? Whoa. She just asked you yeah. right out. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. And it so is. it's like, I, I, if anyone asks you that, you have a split second of like, yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> Again, going back to the stigma of uh, I need to act like I'm a perfect Christian. Um, and I didn't say that. I said no. You're um, fired. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> no, so, I don't either. No, some people, right, are, say no. Some people are going to uh, log off right now because they're like, I can't listen to them. Um, yeah, the pastors don't even read their Bible every single day. Exactly. Have I mentioned lately we should read our Bible? <laughs> you should too, but we should. We should read our Bibles. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is realizing the importance of Scripture. Do I realize the importance of Scripture? Absolutely. Do I realize how Scripture, how God uses that to speak to us individually and specifically and help us mature and grow as a follower right. of Christ? Absolutely. Do I know that Scripture will help me grow closer to Jesus and answer a lot of questions that I have and, and help solidify my faith? And as I walk through my life trying to follow Jesus, of course I do. So obviously I see the benefits of it, right? Um, but I asked Limitless, I said, what's stopping us from following through? 
um, what's stopping us from following through on our commitment mm-hmm. and, and opening our Bible and spending time with him. It's not because I don't see the benefits. I just listed them, right? right. Um, we all know the benefits of it. It's not because my life group leader didn't text me and remind me that I should read today. It's not because I don't know how to read the Bible. If we have the desire enough, we'll figure it out and mm-hmm. we'll find the, the right ways. Um, and it's not even because Pastor Jerry forgot to say, <laughs> did you read your Bible today? Or did I tell you you should read your Bible? Because he didn't forget. Um, the reality is it's because of two things. Uh, one, we don't have the drive or motivation to do it, especially when we don't feel like it. Right. And two, we don't value it enough. We say we value it, but we don't really value it when we when we don't prioritize it above everything else. Our actions prove it. Exactly. Yeah. And so my commitments reveal my values. What we're committed to is what we value. Matthew six twenty four, I believe it's in your outline too. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either God will tell us well done or the world will, but we can't hear it from both. Um, we don't have time for everything, right? We have to choose. And, and this is speaking to me because I, I do a lot here and there and not, and sometimes we have to focus on what are the things we're going to focus on. Um, looking at what we choose will tell us what we consider valuable. At the same time, if I'm not committed to anything, it means that we don't really value anything. So it means we only value ourselves. To be uncommitted is selfishness at mm. its root. And so to say I don't want to commit to anything, it's almost to say I value me more than anything else. My options. Exactly. Like we're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we'll move on to the second one. The second one is, uh, if you're taking notes again, my commitments shape my character. My commitments shape my character. Commitments determine what kind of per- person I'm going to be. We become what we're committed to, right? Um, our character, who we are, is the sum total of our commitments and our habits. So Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. What we value is linked to developing our character and who we are, right? If I think making money is the most important thing in life, then it's going to shape my character and my life is going to revolve around that. If I think being liked and accepted is the most important thing in life, then that's going to shape my character and my life is going to revolve around that. My actions and what I do will revolve around that. So my character my heart is shaped by the things I choose, by what I commit to. So now, look, we had we just had communion Wednesday, if you guys were able to join us and stuff. Uh, when we take communion, we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, right? Um, but it's also a moment of reflection and to take an, an inventory mm-hmm. of your heart. And Psalms 1, uh, 139, 23, and 24, um, it's a great thing to pray daily. Uh, you guys can definitely, uh, I, I feel like if you add that to your prayer every day, it will change Um kind of your growth in your life with God, but search me, O God, and know my heart. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God, look at my heart. Look at my character, what I value, what I'm committed to. What am I worshiping? What do I value above you? Um, And help me realign my values and commitments so that you can shape my character. Now, look, that's a very brave and daring prayer. Because to refine our character and let God shape it is rarely comfortable, right? It will force you out of your comfort zone. He might call you to do things that you haven't before and, and commit to things that commit to things more than you ever have before. So God cares more about your character than your comfort, right. which might mean changing your commitments. That's good. And that leads to this third point, which is not only does, God, does my commitment reveal my value and shape my character, but my commitments determine my destiny. Yeah. Every time we make a choice, it not only has consequences here, now, in 2020, 
but it has consequences. Each choice has consequences that reach probably all the way into eternity. Even the most insignificant choices that we make on a daily basis, they have consequences over the long term. So we need to choose our commitments carefully. We can't be committed to everything or we're committed to nothing, as you're saying. So wise people don't just drift through life and let go with the flow, YOLO, you only live once. (laughs) You know, wise people are known by their daily commitments. And they decide what's important. Not let the world decide or circumstances decide, but hopefully let God decide what's important. And they decide that they're going to make sure that they're committed to those important things, the things that really matter, because that's what's going to shape our future, which ends up shaping our destiny. Mark eight thirty six and 37 says, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? So good. Is there anything worth more than your soul? Well, no, there's nothing. So what do you benefit if we gain everything but we lose that? Yeah. Experts tell us that if you're the average American, you actually, you're going to live 28,650 days. That sounds like a lot. 28,650 days, about 78, 79 years old. That's the typical lifespan of the average American. Look, every one of those 26,850 days, we trade for something. Mm-hmm. Every day. We trade for something. Maybe you trade it for a whole day of Netflix binge watching. I guess that's what we're doing a lot of right now. Yeah, for sure. You know, you're trading a whole a, a day of your life for one of those shows. Tiger King, not a good trade. I don't think. I don't think that's a good trade, right? Or you're trading a whole day of your life for for golf or or for for work. A lot of days that we trade. For those things. So we may exchange it for something. We've got to ask ourselves, are we getting a good deal on what I'm exchanging my life for? Because every day, really every hour we exchange or invest, make a commitment to, is is an exchange of our life. Yeah. What am I going to exchange my life for? Wise people at least think through these commitments. Yeah. They at least evaluate, where's my life going? What am I doing? So that's the importance of making commitments. It reveals my values. It shapes my character. It determines my destiny. Why do we fear making strong commitments? I want you to jot these down. One of the reasons we fear making commitments is because of past hurts. We've all been hurt. Will you fill that in? Past hurts can keep me from making commitments. Here's what I mean by this. Often we've been hurt in our past. Maybe you had a bad relationship. It ended poorly. Somebody betrayed you. They walked out on you. They, you feel like they abandoned you and they might have. That can affect every other relationship moving forward. Maybe you had a bad marriage and you feel like, you know, marriage is bad. And it's not that marriage is bad. It's just that the two of you. It was bad or it ended bad. Must have been good at one point because you said, I do, right? And then you said, I don't anymore, right? So that can make it so that we don't want to make, uh, get in another marriage, get married again. I've heard so many people say, I'll never ever get married again because of the bad experience. 
Maybe you've had a bad experience at church. I can't tell you how many people I've met who've had a bad religious experience. They grew up in a church system that was either judgmental or condemning or, you know, full of hypocrisy or it was just a bad experience. And in their mind, all churches are like that. So it's not for me. And, you know, how many people have we heard say, if I walked into this place, the walls would fall down. So many. Right? Really original. Yes. So maybe... Maybe you had a bad experience in business. People can have a, a difficult, you know, somebody swindles you out of money or they were a former friend or there's a betrayal there. We all have our story. Um, the fact is we all have past hurts. The problem is if we're allowing ways that we've been hurt in the past to continue to determine our future, yeah. to keep us from doing what God wants us to do, that's just not smart. In fact, it's, it's kind of, it's plain dumb. Yeah. Our, our past is our past. Who is it? That great theologian, Pumba, who says, put your past in your behind or you're behind <laughs> in your past or behind, behind you. I don't know how he says it. Uh, he's not really a theologian. Um, but we were talking Lion King yeah, yeah, yeah. Vinegar, or Tiger, Tiger, Tiger King. King. Yeah. Um, our past, look, our past is our past. Our future is not determined by our past. Now, our past can impact and affect our present if we let it, and that can impact our future, but our past does not have to determine our future. Yeah. I tell people, Nick, I've told people for years, when they, tell, when they tell me about the worst thing they've ever done or the worst mistake they've ever made or they're going through the worst season of their life, I often say, you know what? This is really bad right now. But when you get to the end of your life at your funeral, yeah. This bad decision, this bad season, this bad time, this is not going to define your life. Yeah. This, That's good. These are the worst three months of your life. Nobody's going to be talking about those three months at your funeral if you start making the right choices moving forward. That's really So don't automatically assume that just because you were burned in the past, that if I make a commitment, I'll get burned in the future. Past hurts can keep me from making commitments if we allow our past to manipulate our future don't do it nick yeah that that one was really good um i did a whole series on that and past hurts and how that affects us and especially when tides to church um but this number two if you're taking notes is self-doubt can keep me from making commitments Self-doubts can keep me from making commitments. James 1.8 says that their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Mm. So a few verses earlier, James is explaining that, that we should ask God for wisdom. But when we ask, we should, we should go in faith, and our faith needs to be in God alone, right? And a person that, with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave um, in the sea tossed back and forth by the wind. So one foot out, one foot in kind of concept. So self-doubt is a universal problem. I think a lot of times it's tied to like, oh, students and, and younger generation uh, deals with self-doubt a lot, especially with social media and ties to that. But the reality is we all do. Everybody. We all deal with that Absolutely. to an extent. Um, sometimes we don't make a commitment because we doubt our ability to make wise choices, mm-hmm. right? And so, look, doubts and questions can be healthy, but if we're not careful – we can be paralyzed by our doubts and what ifs. Good word. Right? And, and to the point to where we don't make the, don't take the next step to commit. 
So what if I don't like it? What if we, what if I can't go back and I can't back out of it? What if I don't match up to people's expectations? Every time you doubt yourself, you start second guessing yourself Mm -hmm. and you start, start spending more time on your doubts rather than on making the decision that you already made work. Um, and I work through this all the time in ministry. I doubt myself, my knowledge, my experience, my wisdom, my choices. I'm not educated enough to do what I, what I do. Who am I to lead in this ministry, this area all the time? And like I said, self-doubt can paralyze you from moving forward and from making decisions or committing. So you've probably heard it before, and I can't stress it enough. And I know if Jose's watching, he's going to laugh because I repeat myself a lot. Um, but in, in, uh, Repeating yourself is good. Especially if it's that's like – That's the only way they remember it. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, from your real pastor, Jose. No, but uh, and you've probably heard it. I can't stress it enough, especially when it's tied to, your, to doubting yourself. But if God has called you to it, he will equip you and prepare you for it. Amen, right. That's something that, I mean, we need to remind ourselves of that daily. Because he is not going to say, and he's not, he's not going to create you um, to be this person or to do this just to leave you and say, good luck, let me know when you, when you got it, right? He has and will continue to give you everything that you need to be exactly who he has created you to be and to do what he has created and called you to do. So if God isn't the one telling you to wait, then rely on God, not yourself, and commit. And the third one is, uh, is desires for independence can keep me from making commitments. So our desires for independence can keep me from making commitments. So as Americans, we love to be independent, right? Uh, this desire for independence causes us to, to kind of idolize it in a way. And so the truth is independence can be dangerous. Um, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes the most independent people are also the most isolated people, right? The most lonely people, right? He didn't make us to be independent, but he also didn't make us to be dependent. Um, we're created for community and for people and to be in relationship with them. We need people. And I feel like right now, um, I kind of think it's safe to say everyone has been seeing this fact during quarantine, yeah, right? Like interdependent. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> interdependence is, is the word and it's so important, but um, even right now, specifically, even introverted, self-proclaimed, uh, not people, people <laughs> yeah. uh, have a desire to be around people right now. I, I, and I was like, you know, it's bad when introverted people are struggling <laughs> being introverted. Um, so one of the biggest reasons is because we push life groups at church is because it's it's hard to fully be in the church and be involved without having a community of people that you can be hot with, that you can be humble, open, and transparent with, right? And that you can be real um, and especially be connected to. So quarantine, I feel like, has emphasized a lot on what God has said in Genesis, where he said it's not good for people to be alone when he's talking to Adam. And so independence is basically at its root, again, selfishness. Um, it's thinking of me and not really anyone else. So fourth, fourth one is perfectionism can keep me from making commitments, perfectionism can keep me from making commitments. So perfectionism is is always insisting uh, that everything be perfect, right? Have your ducks in a row concept. So Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. Like I'm not a farmer. (laughs) That's everyone, all right? Um, If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. We know perfect doesn't exist, right? Everyone would admit that. But sometimes we convince ourselves and become under the illusion that perfect conditions are achievable and possible. And we wait for those perfect conditions before we commit. Um, One of these days is none of these days, right? It never happens. 
a lot of our favorite, like our favorite one, I guarantee you said some version of this is when things settle down, when life's not crazy. Yeah, right. I have more time. I think I say this once a week. <laughs> well, you got a lot of time right now, apparently. Some of them. <laughs> yeah, some people do. Um, but that's the thing, too, is that things are not going to settle down. It's always going to be crazy. It's going to be hectic. And like, like you said, obviously right now, I'm saying this in the middle of a quarantine, um, when life seems, seems to have stopped for a lot of us. But the reality is when life kicks in tomorrow, I think it's being lifted tomorrow. Right. Um, so are our responsibilities and the normal, fast-paced, hectic lifestyle that we're all used to. Mm-hmm. Um, life will always keep moving from one busy season to the next busy season. Um, so we used, to, we used to go to Shoney's on the way to camp for this breakfast buffet. And inevitably, I would do the same thing every year, right? Uh, I'd get down to the end of the line and with, like, three French toast sticks <laughs> and, like, a single chicken tender on my plate. But you know you're going to eat there every year. Exactly. And it's not like I can't see the whole buffet. I know what's there. I even scope it out, then get in line, and then I get to the end. And, I, ha- I mean, by the end, I have, like, one French toast stick because I ate two in line. Yeah, right. but, but then I have to do that awkward backtracking, and it's a rapid fire. Like, oh, excuse me. Oh, sorry. Uh, part, like, mm, just real quick. And, like, as I get everything else and squeeze between people as they're annoyed with me. You're, um, you're hoping Shoney will have breakfast tacos one of these times. Some, that what it something is? better. But <laughs> we're changing it up. But I, I don't know if I was like, ah, they keep the steak at the end, maybe. Like, I, I'll wait. I don't know what I was thinking. But the thing is, it, it was always the same stuff every year, right? And I, and I would keep my options open, but I would get to the end with an almost empty plate. And I feel like this is such a good illustration and, and such a tendency, what can be a tendency in our life, is that I'm going to keep my options open. I'm not committing to one church just yet. I'm not committing to Jesus just yet. That, that whole thing's kind of weird. I don't, I'm not going to commit to a life group. I'm not going to really commit to anything. Um, and then we get toward the end of our life, broken lonely and isolated because they kept their options open and ended up with an empty plate. So I think just we, we have to keep that in mind. When we yeah, I think through. that's a great example because we always hope there'll be something better. Yeah. And we're afraid there may I mean there might be something better, but we're afraid to enjoy life, to commit to life, yeah. to live in the present. We're always kind of, and you end up yeah. old, lonely and eating French toast, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Like French toast, but yeah, that's what it is. So how do we overcome this fear of commitment? We we know it's important to make the right commitments, shapes our values, shapes our character, determines our destiny. We understand why. How do we overcome our fears? Jot these down. In fact, if you haven't been re- writing notes yet, this would be good to just jot on a napkin or wherever you're at. Number one thing we've got to do. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Now, God says he'll give you wisdom if you'll ask. Yeah. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. So that's another one that Jelly should ask. So do you ask God for wisdom every day? (laughs) No. Well, he says he'll give us wisdom every day. Why don't we ask God for wisdom every day? I don't know why, because we're not wise enough yet, I guess. Exactly. So... We've got to ask God for the wisdom so we don't make the wrong decisions or the dumb decisions um, because we have a track record of doing that. Let me read you the verse. Don't take my word for his promise. James, brother of Jesus, writes down and says, if you need wisdom, do you need wisdom? I need wisdom. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God is willing to give us wisdom. He's waiting to give us wisdom. Mm. 
Well, why doesn't he give us wisdom? Because we haven't asked. He wants us to make smart decisions. He wants us to make smart commitments. He wants to give us the wisdom because he knows it shapes our values. Shapes our values, it shapes our character, it determines our destiny. God knows that. So he wants us to have character, he wants us to have the right values, he wants us to have a destiny that he has planned for us. So we've got to ask him for this wisdom. Don't miss out on the very simple, hey God, I need some wisdom in this. Any of us can do that. God, do you want me to accept this promotion? Do you want me to accept this appointment? Do you want me to accept this offer? Do you want me to take this job offer? Maybe some of you are praying. Do you want me to, do you want me to marry this person? Do you ask God if, or you just fall in love and, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I kind of like to ask people that in marriage counseling, like, well, did you pray about, pray about marrying him or pray? And they're like, no. You know, I'm like, well, why didn't you pray about it? I was afraid of what God would tell me, yeah. right? I don't know why, right? So it's, it's just, I mean, there's a lot of married people who wish they had prayed, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, I wish I'd prayed that. Um, do you want me to get involved in this ministry? Do you want That's me good. to you to connect with this church? Any major decision and any minor decision, we should be saying, God, please give me some wisdom. Show me how you want me to use my life for your glory. Yeah, that's so valuable. Um, the second one, again, is I, I compare the benefits with the cost. I compare the benefits with the cost. Ask, is the payoff greater than what it costs me? It's such a good question to ask yourself. But in every commitment, every decision, there's a give and take, right? Uh, you get something out of it. There's a return for your investment. In every situation, ask yourself, are the benefits greater than what I'm going to pay? So God doesn't want you making commitments where the cost isn't worth the benefit. And it can seem kind of contradicting, right? It's like, Nick, do you know what God asks of us? <laughs> yeah, everything we have to offer, right? And then I would say, do you know what you get in return? Do you know what, what the payoff is? Do you know what he's going to give, what God's going to give in return? Everything he has to offer. Right, which is everything. And, and exactly. And the Bible says and lists very clearly the benefits of committing to Jesus. We know that we have a purpose in life. We know that what we're here for. We know that true forgiveness for all of our sins and all of our and how we fall short every time. We have forgiveness for that. We get we get a secured place in heaven. We we get the power to overcome our hurts and habits and, and the wrong the 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 decisions that we make that flip our life upside down. Right? We have forgiveness and the power to overcome that. So Jesus was was straight up at the same time on the cost of following him. Jesus said very clearly in Matthew, if you're going to follow me, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, and this isn't society's message at all, because this is very countercultural, which you'll find a lot of Jesus's teachings were counter, are countercultural. Um, but society says what? Do what makes you happy, mm-hmm. right? You deserve it. Do you, boo-boo. Like, treat yourself. Like, th- this whole, all these concepts of you are elevated beyond everyone else, and, and you need to do what makes you happy and go after that. Um, but God's so clear on this that that the call to deny ourselves and a daily act of picking up our cross to follow him, of laying down our desires and laying down our wants and needs and, and our plans for our life and picking up what he has for our life. The benefits and the payoff is far greater than the cost when it comes to following God, 
committing our life to him or doing anything that he asks of us. So Proverbs 20, 25 says, don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. In other words, it's naive to make a commitment and not think at all about it first, right? It's always easier to get in things yeah. than out of things. Yep. It's easier to get into debt than out of debt. Amen to that. I said this is going to step on people's toes, right? Easier to get into a relationship than to get out of one. Yep. It's easier to fill your schedule than to fulfill your schedule, right? Um, we need the follow-through. The follow-through part is so important. Diets, workout plans, this isn't hard for a lot of people in quarantine. Um, <laughs> can we stick with it? Luke 14, 28, um, Jesus is saying, don't, don't begin until you count the cost. Does the benefit outweigh and have greater value than what it costs and what it asks of me and of what the commitment that it requires? So mm, That's good. So the third way or the third thing that I've got to do to overcome my fear of making commitments, I ask God for wisdom, yeah. and then I compare the benefit – with whatever decision I have to make, with the cost yeah. of that decision that I'm making for getting into that commitment. The number three, I think this is so important. I've got to trust God to help me keep my commitments. Yeah. I've got to trust God to not just make those commitments that he wants me to make, but to trust him to help me keep those commitments. Psalm 37.5 says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Trust him, and he will help you. Look, if if you've committed your life to Christ, you are a believer. Then the commitments that you make as a believer are not simply just dependent on your own ability or your own strength or your own willpower to keep those commitments. Yeah. All of a sudden, we get God's power to help us keep those commitments that we've made. Under his direction. That's good news. Yeah. Because if God's going to help us keep the commitments, some of these commitments we can't keep on our own. When I make a commitment, it's not just up to my willpower, but it's up to God's power in me. God says, look, Jerry, if you'll just trust me, Nick, if you'll trust me, I'll give you the energy. I'll give you the power. I'll give you everything you need to keep that commitment that I know is right for you to do. Yeah. That's some pretty powerful promises there. Philippians 2.13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God says, I'll not only give you the will to do it, I'll give you the power to do it. Yeah. I'm going to give you the desire. That's what we're talking about. So, you know, why don't I desire, you know, yeah. keeping those commitments? A lot of people say, well, you know, I don't want to commit my life to Christ because I don't know if I can keep that commitment. Or I don't want to commit my life to Jesus because I'm afraid I'll renege. I'm afraid I won't keep it. And they're, and they're missing the point. Yeah. We just have to take the first step of faith and then let God help us keep the commitment. Second Timothy 1.12 says, I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I've entrusted him to him. He does the keeping. It's his job. It's not up to you. Some of you have struggled for years with commitments. Mm. Commitments to your family, commitments to the Lord, commitments to the church. What commitment are you afraid to make today? You know you need to make it, but you're putting it off. You're afraid. 
you, maybe you need to make a commitment to be honest in some relationships. And you're not really telling the people that you're in a relationship with the whole truth and nothing but the truth kind of a thing. So you can't get past this barrier because you, you've got kind of a wall built up. Some of you, you, you need to make a commitment to be honest in your relationships. Some of you, you've delayed giving your life to Christ because of the fear of commitment. Maybe you've delayed getting baptized. You know, we've been doing baptisms here every single week. It seems through 40 days. Yeah, now, we haven't sure. done any for the last six or eight weeks, but there's a lot of people. Lot when of we're people. finally back together and we can figure out a safe way to do baptisms, that, uh, that you need to step across that, that line and make that commitment. Some of you, you've delayed finding a church. You know, class 101 or uh, getting involved. This is a good time to make that commitment. When we get back together, the first time they have class 101, I'm going to make that commitment. That three-hour, four-hour commitment? Yeah. It's not that big a commitment. It's not. We, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it flies by. Some of you have been putting off getting involved in the ministry. Now, I will say there's a lot of people that I've talked to by text over the last few weeks. They said, hey, I'm ready to get involved in church. Yeah. I'm ready to get involved in church. Cool. You know, it doesn't take great people to do great things in the world. It just takes committed people. We have a lot of regular people. They're just very committed. The problem is we all we all fall in into that thing where we're we're commit we're halfway committed to twenty four things, which means yeah we don't ever get anything done because when we make a full commitment to one or two or three things, we're able to focus and we're able to accomplish a lot. Your happiness and your fulfillment and your effectiveness in life is exclusively determined by the commitments that you make. So I suggest that we all think about that. God is looking for people who will make a difference in this world. 2% of the population, they say, can change a culture if they're committed. What if just a few of us would commit and say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm all yours. Use me. What if our whole church were to say that, what could God do through our church? The Old Testament, there was this, there's this old king named Asa. I yeah. talked about King Hezekiah a few weeks ago. This is another one of those good kings. There aren't that many good ones. At the end of Asa's life, this is what God had to say about him in 2 Corinthians 15, 2 Chronicles 15, what did I say, 2 Corinthians? <laughs> That's like half Corinthians and Chronicles there. <laughs> Yes, that's okay. They don't read the. If you don't read your Bible, you don't know what these books are, right? So I haven't mentioned you should read your Bible. Yeah, and and you really need to read your Bible because you need to check out what I say sometimes because it's wrong, right? So Second Chronicles, Old Testament, fifteen seventeen says Asa's heart remained completely faithful throughout his life. Can you imagine God saying that about you? Our heart. Remain completely faithful throughout his whole life. What a statement. It defines true success right there. The people who have changed our world have not been the most educated people. They haven't been the most wealthy people. They haven't been the most talented people. The people that have changed our world have been the people with the deepest convictions and the deepest commitments. God is looking for people like that. Just another chapter later in the same book, 2 Chronicles, God says this, Ace has passed away. And then God says this. This is 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully 
committed to him. It's like God is searching for people who have fully committed their hearts to him, and he is going to strengthen them. What kind of people does God use? God uses committed people. That's what he's looking for. He's not, he doesn't need your wealth. He doesn't need your talent. He doesn't need your good looks. He just needs you to commit your life to him. D.L. Moody is famous for saying this, this quote, The world has yet to see what God can do through and in and for and with the person who is fully committed to Jesus mm. Christ. The world has yet to see what God can do through and in and for and with the person who is fully committed to Christ. And C.S. Lewis said it like this, If Christianity is untrue, then it's unimportant. However, if Christianity is true, then it's of the utmost importance. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Two incredible quotes by two great men of God. Have you been trying to be a part-time Christian or a casual Christian? It's almost like saying I'm partly pregnant, you know. (laughs) It's like uh, you either are or you aren't. You know, Jesus doesn't make a good accessory. He makes a great Savior and Lord, but if you just have have Jesus kind of hanging around a little, it's going to drive you crazy. You need to, Christianity is not to just make your life a little spicier. Throw in a little religion for for old time's sake or whatever. A little fire insurance, right? I want to challenge you to take a stand for Jesus Christ and seriously consider the commitments. At our church, we ask everyone to make five commitments. These are the five essential commitments of life that every person needs to make, every Christian needs to make. Number one, a commitment first to Jesus Christ. Number two, a commitment to his church, his body, his church family. Then number three, a commitment to spiritual growth, that I'm going to grow now as a believer. And then number four, the commitment to use my talents and my gifts that the Holy Spirit has given me in order to help other people. And finally, the fifth commitment we ask everyone to make is a commitment to fulfill my purpose and my mission in this world. As long as you watch here at SEC or you attend here at SEC, we're going to always be talking about these five commitments. Yeah. A commitment to Christ, a commitment to the body, a commitment to grow, a commitment to minister to others, and a commitment to fulfill my mission in the world. Yeah. And until we understand and make those commitments as individuals, we're not really living. We're just existing. So don't let fear keep you from making any of these commitments. Would you join me in prayer as we close? As we close, would you pray something like this in your heart? Would you just say, Father, I'm offering you a blank page with my name already signed at the bottom. I'm offering you a blank contract, Lord, with my name already signed. You fill in the blanks, God. I'm already saying yes. Before I even know what you want me to do with my life, I just trust that you love me enough and your plan is so right for me. I'm willing to sign on the dotted line. I want to be wholly committed to you. And I want my heart to be undivided. Use me in this world anytime, any place, any way you want. 
And I ask you today for wisdom, wisdom to make the right commitments. And I'm trusting that you will give me the power to keep those commitments. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you'll have a great day today. We are continuing, as our staff, our elders, we are continuing to pray for you. We are going to be together soon. Don't you worry. For those of you ready to come back, it's not going to be long at all. I'm praying for you. I hope you have a great week this week. God bless you.